0: Welcome to the Empowered Modern Witches Show. I'm Tanae Stewart, the Witch of Lupin Hollow, and a self-love and empowerment coach. I'm here to help you embody simplicity in your spiritual practice and to feel confident bringing empowering magic and rituals into your real daily life. Join me each week for practical insights on the seasons and the stars. Welcome back to the Empowered Modern Witches show. I'm your host, Tanae Stewart, and I'm so excited to talk about today's topic, uh, which is actually the topic of my upcoming book, The Modern Witches Guide to Magical Self-Care. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the intersection of witchcraft and self-care, which is one of my favorite topics. I literally wrote a book about it uh, because I think that it's so important, really. I think that understanding How witchcraft and self-care can interact in our own real daily lives and in our own spiritual practices is a really essential component of understanding why it's even important to have a spiritual practice in the first place. Having a practice of witchcraft, having a practice of daily rituals, um, is really just one way for us to practice self-care. It's one method of self-care. I would almost say that all witchcraft is self-care, but not all self-care is witchcraft. Although I'm sure there are plenty of different forms of witchcraft which wouldn't be considered self-care. However, in my own life and in my own practice and experience, I find that witchcraft and self-care are pretty much one and the same. And what's interesting is that witchcraft and self-care both come from Deeply feminist and deeply ancestral roots, although they have both become quite trendy in recent years. So, a brief little history lesson here. Uh, you know, witchcraft is probably one of the most ancient practices in the world, really, um, although I, it's not necessarily documented. But we know that there have been people who have. Either had some kind of spiritual connection that is greater than those around them, or who have been accused of having that type of connection, whether or not they really did, as far back as we, we have records, pretty much. Um, I like to think of Lilith as being considered really one of the first witches. She is a Gnostic demon goddess, and she is recorded as being the first wife of Adam in the Garden of Eden in the Abramic traditions, Um, the, the wife of Adam prior to Eve. And Lilith became really like a feminist icon in especially in I think like the 1970s when this story was sort of reclaimed of Lilith being banished from the Garden of Eden and Eve being created to replace her because Lilith would not basically have sex with Adam in missionary. Um, She wanted to be on top and he wouldn't go for it and so this sort of like boiled down version of this story really reflected the values of witches especially in you know the the mid 20th century and I think continues to reflect those values pretty well into the 21st century and so witchcraft is really the reclaiming of ancient wisdom and of the divine feminine in the face of patriarchy and consumerism and so you know witchcraft at its core at its soul. Witchcraft is about the ancient ways of our feminine ancestors um, and of our ancestors of all genders. It's about reclaiming a wisdom that predates all of our modern ideas about what it means to be a woman, about what it means to be a human, about what it means to be powerful and magical and spiritual. Um so witchcraft is a pretty big topic, right? It's a pretty big thing. Those are some hefty hefty topics there. Um and yet witchcraft of course has become pretty trendy too. Like witchcraft has also become part of our consumerist culture in many ways. That we're buying crystals and we're buying, you know, cleansing bundles and we're buying essential oils and and we're buying all of these different tools as a community that are in many cases not actually very sustainable at all um, and so there's this tension between kind of what is the heart and soul of witchcraft as a reclamation of ancient divine feminine wisdom and witchcraft as consumerism self-care on the other hand self-care has a weirdly similar story so self-care the concept actually started out as a movement to take care of our minds and bodies in often alternative and holistic ways when we have been left behind by modern Western medicine. So the self-care movement came about as a way for people who were not being taken seriously by modern Western healthcare a lot of cases that is women. Many women report being dismissed by their doctors and healthcare professionals when they complain about pain or when they complain about mood swings. Um, You know, they're dismissed as, oh, it's just sort of a, a feminine mystery that we can't explain. Um, This is also very true for people of color and for non-binary and trans people. You know, there's a lot of dismissal that happens in our healthcare system. It's a big reason why our healthcare system is pretty broken. Um, And so self-care started out as this movement to kind of like take care of ourselves in spite of the patriarchy, in spite of our healthcare system. Um, And yet self-care too has you know, become very consumerist and become very superficial in a lot of ways. When we think about self-care now, we often think about, you know, bubble baths and pedicures. And I'm a big believer in pampering ourselves. I think that those things are actually somewhat essential, um, that we have to feel luxury in our lives, um, whatever that looks like and feels like for us individually. But that's not necessarily what self-care itself really is. Self-care is about Actions and practices and habits that nurture our spiritual needs and our physical and mental and emotional needs. Um, And so we have this interesting tension between both witchcraft and self care between these like deeply feminist and deeply ancestral reclamation work um, and, you know, very modern patriarchal consumerism. Um, And so it's really interesting that I think the concepts of both witchcraft and self-care have these kind of parallel journeys and parallel um, experiences in our society. And so I find that they have a lot in common and that in my own practice, you know, witchcraft really, truly is a form of self-care for me and and is my main self-care. And so I wanted to share some tips from my new book, The Modern Witch's Guide to Magical Self-Care, which is coming out October 6th on this intersection of witchcraft and self-care. So I'm gonna share five tips with you uh, from the book that you can get much deeper when you order your copy. And I also wanna talk just a little bit too about what witchcraft and self-care really mean to me personally. You know, for me, my witchcraft practice started over a decade ago. Um, I officially started practicing. I did my very first ritual in 2011 and but had been studying for some time before that and initially I knew it was something I was really called to. I knew it was something I was very drawn to um, but I was very scared to share it and I was scared to talk about it and so I eventually kind of fell off the spiritual bandwagon. I actually kind of intentionally stopped practicing at a certain point uh, when I was in college and a couple of years went by about two and a half years I guess and I really wanted to think of it as a phase. You know, I wanted to say, oh, you know, witchcraft and and all of the, the spirituality stuff um, was something that I was into like in college and in high school, but it's it's a part of my past. It's not something that I'm really into anymore. But I don't think that was ever really true. You know, I, I was definitely always a witch. It was always there at my heart. Um, and I was just sort of denying it at a point. And then I had a big life-changing tragedy. So uh, almost exactly five years ago, um, I'm recording this in September of 2020. So in September of 2015, I lost my home and my pets and everything I owned in a wildfire. And it destroyed me initially. It was a major experience of grief and trauma and loss. Um, I went to work one morning and I never went home and it was about six months after the fire that I rediscovered my path and I recommitted to my journey as a witch and everything that happened in the, well, ever since then, but especially in the year or two immediately after the fire, um, really solidified this concept of witchcraft as self care for me, that they, they are really one in the same in my own experience. Um, because rediscovering my spirituality helped me get back on my feet. It helped me find solid, grounded, rooted experiences again. It helped me to reclaim my own sense of joy. It helped me to work through the deep underworld grief and trauma and shadows that I was experiencing at that time um, and that I still experience to an extent and that will always really be a part of me, uh, but that witchcraft really helped me to heal in so many ways. And so I really found that witchcraft and self-care were very tangled up for me. They were very much the same thing in my practice, um, which is, Part of why I was so inspired to write this book uh, that is completely about how to create your own rituals that are both witchcraft rituals and self-care rituals, because I think that creating sacred daily rituals that help us to connect to our inner witch, that help us to tap into our own inner power, and that nurture us in practical and mystical ways are just incredibly potent, that rituals that can do all of those things and yet are deeply simple and practical and fit into our real lives, that's how we really experience transformation is by merging all of these different experiences that we want into one simple action. So I'm going to share five tips from the book um, to help you to get started with your own witchy self-care and to get started with creating your own witchy self-care rituals. So number one, the the cardinal rule of witchy self-care and of any kind of witchcraft and any kind of self-care is to find what resonates with you. A big part of my book is all about getting curious. It's about playing with the options and really asking if something fulfills you. You know, it's about trying different things and then not just sticking with it because you think you're supposed to, but really asking yourself, How did that resonate? Did that fulfill something in me? Did it feel weird? Did it feel wrong? Did it feel good? Did it feel right? Um, You know, it's so important for us to really find the practices, the routines, the actions that truly nurture us. If it's not nurturing you, then it's not self-care. Um, if it feels like an obligation, if it feels like a luxury, if it feels like something that you do when you have time for it, then it's not really fulfilling you. Um, and so the very first tip that I have for you is to really deeply get curious about what actually resonates with you and what is actually nurturing for you. And remember to think of it as nurturing your spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional needs. It's so important that we fulfill all of those. Okay, tip number two is, as always with me, check out your astrological chart. So your astrology chart has so much insight for you on what you need, what you want, what is fulfilling for you, what feels good for you so much information packed into your astrological chart. Um, Particularly when you're looking to understand your self-care style, you really want to look at, first of all, where your moon is. Um, So we all have our sun sign. That's the sign you probably know off the top of your head, but you also have all of the other planets and the moon in your chart somewhere. So look up where your moon is. The moon represents Uh, self-care. It represents all kinds of care and nurturing. It represents motherhood. It represents how we mother ourselves and how we need to feel taken care of. Um, It's like the the soft, sensitive part of us that needs to be nurtured. Um, So you want to look up where is your moon? You also want to look up your sun and your rising signs um, because those two coupled with your moon kind of make out the, the trifecta of the basis of who you are as a person. So your moon sign in particular, but also your sun and rising signs. Um, and as a bonus, the other thing I always recommend that you look at in your astrological chart when you're trying to understand what you need in terms of self-care is the asteroid Ceres. So Ceres is named for the Roman goddess of agriculture, Um, she's the mother of Persephone, and the asteroid Ceres really represents how you need to be nurtured. Um, She's a really powerful part of our chart that can help us to understand what we really need, you know, what our needs actually are, which can sometimes feel kind of elusive, and Ceres can really help us to drill down and ground into what those needs really are. Um, so check out your astrological chart and look at where your sun, moon, rising, and series signs are. Those are going to help you understand a lot about your self-care needs. Um, and there's information about all of those in my book. And there's a whole chapter on finding your astrological self-care style. So you can get information on what the different, you know, combinations mean and what the different signs mean um, and how they really represent your self-care needs. Okay, tip number three is to start an end of the day with self-care. Mornings and evenings are ideal for sacred daily rituals that really do nurture all of your different needs, your spiritual, your physical, mental, and emotional needs. Um, mornings and evenings are like sacred portals. You know, They take us into our day and they take us out of our day. Um, and so it doesn't have to be something big. It doesn't have to be something lengthy. And if you don't have time for something lengthy, then it shouldn't be something lengthy. It is so, so important that we create morning and evening rituals that actually fit into our schedules, that actually support us and don't make us feel like we're in a rush or like we have an obligation we can't fulfill. Your morning and evening rituals should be a sacred moment of rest and reflection that exists outside of time and space and schedules, but that also fits into your schedule. Um, So starting and ending the day with witchy self-care is Such a great way to really tap into what your needs are and making sure that they get fulfilled on an everyday basis Um, You know, it's easy to think of self-care as something we do once a month or once every six months when in reality It should be something we do for five minutes every single day All right tip number four is to allow room for your rituals to adapt We evolve constantly and our witchcraft and self-care practices need to evolve with us or they aren't sustainable. So a lot of times we think that, okay, I'm going to create this ritual. I'm going to devote this time and energy to doing that. And then I'm going to do it every single day for the rest of my life. Um, and maybe we don't think that consciously, but that's how we're creating them. You know, we're creating them with a certain structure in mind and with a certain schedule and time of year in mind. Um, usually when we're creating it and then something changes changes. You know, something changes in our schedule or something changes in your kid's schedule, your partner's schedule, Um, or it's just a different season and you feel differently. And so if your rituals and your witchy self-care practices aren't designed to adapt, aren't designed to be able to evolve with you, um, then you're probably just going to stop doing them. And they're not going to be something that you can sustainably do every day for every day of your life. Um, And so it's really, really important that you allow room for your rituals to adapt and to be adapted. Um, Allowing space for change is such an important part of self-care. And finally, tip number five is to think of your rituals and the elements of your rituals in a few different categories. So I like to call these categories the five pillars of divinity, um, which I go into a lot in the book. And the five pillars of divinity are mind, body, intuition, nature, and devotion. So, these five pillars are basically the five categories of witchy self care. And so, what I really encourage you to do is to start to think about your practices and your rituals in terms of these five areas. How are you specifically fulfilling your needs in each of these areas? So, you know, intuition might be your spiritual needs. Um, Mind is obviously your mental health and your mental needs. Body is your physical needs. Um, And this can be both practical needs and, you know, extras, luxuries that are actually essential to you. Um, Nature and devotion are kind of a little bit, bit of something different, you know, but I think nature is really important because as witches... I think one of the few things that almost all of us have in common is some kind of connection to the natural world. Um, Having a connection to nature is one of those things that we have really lost as a society in our modern consumerist city living culture. Um, And so having some kind of natural practice, whether that's you know, working with herbs, or whether that's going for walks in nature, or working in your garden, or whatever it is that helps you to feel connected to nature, um, is a really important part of self care as well. And then devotion, the final of the five pillars, is actually my personal favorite. Um, and it's really about. Identifying and understanding what is truly important and what truly matters to you personally. And then making sure that you make time for that every day. Um, So it could be, you know, making sure that you cook a beautiful meal for your family every night. um, And that that is a, a spiritual experience for you. It could mean that you, you know, once a week, you take a beautiful bubble bath with candles and, you know, you spend time in rest and meditation and in connection with your body. Um, You know, your devotional practice is totally unique to you, but I find that devotion kind of helps us round out these categories that can be kind of practical, you know, and that we can kind of just like fill in the boxes. But when we get to the pillar of devotion in your witchy self-care practice, we're really confronted with what actually matters to us and what do we really, truly, deeply need. Um, And so I'll be speaking more on these five pillars of divinity specifically um, next week, September 21st to 25th, 2020, uh, during the Empowered Modern Witches Summit. So this is this amazing free virtual summit that I'm hosting to celebrate the release of my book, I'm so excited about this. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, Make sure that you get your free ticket for live access 10 empowering presentations on witchcraft and self-care from witches of diverse paths and identities. I will be giving one of the presentations specifically on all of this information on how to nurture your inner witch with the five pillars of divinity. Um, So I'm gonna be getting into what those pillars are, how they can show up in your practice, how you can work with them. And then there's gonna be nine other presentations all week long, from some amazing, amazing witches who are going to be talking about shadow work and spirit work and astrology and, you know, working with the lunar cycle. We're going to have an EFT tapping ritual. Uh, We're going to have so much cool stuff going on, all related to this intersection of witchcraft and self-care. So you can sign up totally free. You'll get access to the presentations live and the recordings will be available until September 30th. Um, or you can grab an all access pass which start at $67 uh, and pass holders get lifetime access to the presentation recordings so if you miss them live or if you can't uh, watch them before the 30th or if you just want to refer back to them in the future you'll be able to do that and pass holders get over $600 in bonus courses workbooks meditations live rituals tons of amazing bonuses from our speakers who are sharing very generously some really beautiful and amazing resources to help you ground all the information that you're learning from them during the summit um, and take it out into your real daily life so sign up for your free ticket or grab an all-access pass Um, Also, as a bonus, the first 75 pass holders, which we're already, like, we're approaching that, so make sure you sign up ASAP. Um, The first 75 pass holders are also getting a free signed copy of my book, um, in addition to lifetime access to the presentations, and in addition to the over $600 in bonuses. Um, So make sure that you sign up right away. There's a link in the description of this episode to go and grab your free ticket or your all-access pass. Um, And I can't wait to see you at the summit and to share even more about witchy self-care, about all of the fun stuff that's in my book, um, and about how you can use the five pillars of divinity to really bring witchcraft and self-care together in your own real daily life.